What's going on guys? This is Josh. Welcome to Trek Explained. Here we talk about Star Trek and drink. Please like and subscribe after the video if you enjoy it. Now without further ado, let me explain something to you. I thought I'd do something different for this week and do a character biography. With the recent announcement by CBS that Jean-Luc Picard will be coming back to Star Trek, people probably need a bit of a refresher on some of his history. I can't cover everything, but this will be a longer video than most of the ones I've done so far. Heck, all of them. It's hard to select sometimes what things to include and what things to leave out. Anyway, let's get started. Jean-Luc Picard, serial number SP-937-215, was born in La Barre, France, on Earth, to Maurice and Yvette Picard on July 13th, 2305. Isn't it weird to talk about future events in the past tense? But I guess it's because of the timeline of the show. Jean-Luc and his older brother Robert spent their childhood tending the family vineyards. His parents did not like any extra technologies and used ancient traditions in order to grow their wine grapes. Young Jean-Luc always dreamed of adventure and exploring and used to build models growing up, something he shared in common with his later transporter chief, Miles O'Brien. When Jean-Luc let his father know that he wanted to join Starfleet, it created a rift between them that would never seal. His father never condoned it. Robert would bully Jean-Luc because Jean-Luc was always the overachiever. When young Jean-Luc applied to Starfleet Academy, he failed the first time. He would later return and succeed his second time. He would later become an astounding cadet, even though he had difficulty. Jean-Luc was still kind of immature, but groundskeeper Boothby would help him develop. Once, Jean-Luc would carve the initials AF into Boothby's prize elm tree, which Boothby stopped talking to Jean-Luc over for a while. While at Starfleet Academy, Jean-Luc developed an interest in archaeology. His professor, Richard Galen, tried to divert Jean-Luc's career choice from Starfleet to archaeology, but was unable to persuade him. Jean-Luc would still keep this interest throughout his career. Jean-Luc was also brilliant in sports. He won the Starfleet Academy Marathon in April 2323 on Danula 2. He was the first freshman to ever do so. He also wrestled and recalled a match when he brought down a Ligonian with a reverse body lift and pinned him in the first 14 seconds. Ligonians are the humanoid species from an episode called Code of Honor which is best le left not spoken of. When he became a sophomore, he was assigned to training on Morrigan 7, where he had his first encounter with Nausicans. Shortly before his graduation in 2327, Picard and his friends were involved in a bar brawl with some Nausicans over a rigged game of Domjot. Picard was stabbed in the back and through the heart by a Nausicaan, which caused him to undergo emergency surgery in order to replace his heart. While getting stabbed, he laughed about it. This event made him realize how fragile life is. One must take risks and make one's mark in the universe. As an ensign, he would be assigned to the USS Reliant. This is not the same Reliant as the one Khan uh, borrowed in Star Trek II, as that was destroyed. This was a namesake. Lieutenant Nakamura would later recall serving with a young Picard on the Reliant once he became an admiral. Picard was close friends as a junior officer with Walter Keel, Jack Crusher, and Beverly Howard. Beverly would later marry Jack Crusher. Picard was always demonstrating command abilities even earlier in his career. As a lieutenant, Picard would meet Sarek and Spock at the wedding of Sarek's son. Both Sarek and Spock would later admit to keeping an eye 
on Picard's career. Around 2333, Picard was the flight controller aboard the USS Stargazer. He had also been promoted to Lieutenant Commander at this point. Picard had to assume command when the captain was killed on the bridge. During the Cardassian Wars, the Stargazer was involved in a truce offering by the Federation. As a sign of goodwill, Picard lowered his shields, but the Cardassian commander simply took advantage of that and fired on her, disabling weapons and impulse engines. Thankfully, the Stargazer was able to regroup and flee. In 2353, Picard was the leader of an away mission in which he was forced to save one life over another's. His friend Jack Crusher was lost due to that decision. Picard met with Beverly Crusher, now Jack's widow, on Starbase 32 to present the body. This would be one of Wesley Crusher's earliest memories. In 2355, the Stargazer was involved in an altercation with an unknown enemy vessel, which would later be identified as a Ferengi ship. The battle seriously damaged the Stargazer, but Picard developed the Picard maneuver at this point and was able to destroy the vessel. During the court-martial, Prosecutor Philippa Louvois questioned his tactics, but he was later exonerated and awarded the Grankite Order of Tactics, Class of Excellence. The battle would become known as the Battle of Maxia, and the father of one of the Ferengi officers, Daimon Bach, would twice try to get revenge on Picard later on in life. It is unknown what was happening with Picard between 2355 and 2364, when he was assigned the captaincy of the new Galaxy-class starship, USS Enterprise, NCC-1701D. But it is noteworthy that nine years is enough time for him to have another captaincy, simply never mentioned. On his first mission as captain of the Enterprise, Picard encountered Q. This being was a member of the Q Continuum, and he put the Enterprise bridge crew on trial for the crimes of humanity. They are a dangerously savage child race, after all. Although Q was impressed with how Picard solved the mystery of Farpoint Station, he did not disappear forever and would continue harassing the Enterprise crew for years to come. From here we get into the larger Star Trek The Next Generation series as a whole. But for the bio, we'll just touch on some of the larger situations that Picard had to deal with. A few months after the encounter at Farpoint, a Ferengi cruiser, captained by Diamond Bach, brings a blast from the past to Captain Picard on board the Enterprise. It's his old starship, the Stargazer. Bach uses a mind manipulation device on Captain Picard and forces him to board the Stargazer and attack the Enterprise. Of course, it would normally be a useless endeavor, but Picard attempts to use the Picard maneuver on the Enterprise anyway, but Data develops a counter-strategy to it. Sensors detect the compression of gas, and the Enterprise is able to capture the Stargazer in a tractor beam, thus saving both ships. Diamond Bach is removed from command by a second officer because revenge is not profitable. Captain Picard eventually recovers from the mind probe. A week later, Q pays the Enterprise another visit, but it's in the middle of a rescue mission. Q don't care, and bothers them anyway. He puts the Enterprise crew, sans Picard, into a battle with some vicious animal things, as Worf would say. Riker and Q have a talk about humanity's future, and it's revealed that the Q are very interested in humanity. In a future Riker can't yet imagine, they may even evolve beyond the Q. The crew is fighting the baddies, but can't beat them. Q gives Riker the powers of the Q, and Riker transports everyone to the Enterprise. His arrogance is showing, however, and Picard talks him down. Embarrassed, Riker gives up the gift of the Q 
and Q himself gets teleported away by the continuum after Picard tells him not to bother his crew again. A few months later, Captain Picard loses his first crew member on the Enterprise. Tasha Yar is killed by the creature Armis, a tar being who was created when the previous inhabitants of the planet shed off all evil intentions to evolve into something else. Thus, he is a skin of evil. He killed Tasha just because he could. Picard beamed down and conversed with Armis, but was able to outthink him and rescue the crash shuttle that had Deanna Troy on it before being beamed back up to the Enterprise. The season finale of the first season has the Enterprise investigating outposts along the Romulan neutral zone being destroyed. It was as if some great force scooped up all the machine elements. A new Romulan warbird, to Derek's class, decloaks. This is a ship that is every bit the matchup for the Enterprise. They hail and play some word games with Picard, but it is revealed that the Romulans are not the ones responsible for the destruction of the outposts. The Romulan outposts have been destroyed too, and they don't know who or why either. They agree to a tentative agreement to cease hostilities in this matter, but they warn Picard that the Romulans have been negligent in their duties due to other concerns that required their more immediate attention, but that they are back. Be warned. It is never revealed in the series what more pressing concerns these were, but some secondary material suggests they were dealing with the Iconians. The screenwriter said he intended this to be part of a trilogy in which the Romulans and the Federation would team up in order to combat the new Borg threat. Unfortunately, a writer's strike at the time canceled these plans. This episode is, however, the foreshadowing episode for the Borg later on. The opening of the second season is not all that important of an episode for Picard, with the exception that the character Guinan is now on board as the bartender of the lounge area called Ten Forward. That means Deck Ten, Forward Section basically the very front of the ship. Picard and Guinan have a special friendship. It goes beyond friendship or even family. They have known each other through time, although we don't see exactly how for a while. In 2365, Picard successfully argues in a court case deciding Data's fate. Is he alive or just a toaster? The ruling, which was close, was in favor of Data being alive. Later that year, Q teleports Picard on board a shuttlecraft and essentially keeps him hostage until he agrees to let Q back on board the Enterprise to have a civil discussion. He teleports them both to 10 forward where Guinan is. She also happens to know Q. She reacts quite hostile towards him and he prepares to eradicate her. She holds up her hands aggressively but which sort of implies she has a type of defense against Q but this is never further explained. Instead Q focuses on Picard as Riker and Worf also walk in. Q wants to join the crew. They all think he's jesting, but he says they aren't ready for what lies ahead. Picard, confident and arrogant, says they are. Q and Guinan talk about how fast humanity is progressing, and then sends the whole group to Sector J25, where Guinan's people were from. Guinan only says they should leave right away. Here, they fully encounter the Borg. The energy signatures are identical to those that were found at the outposts along the Romulan neutral zone last year. The Borg outclassed the Enterprise in every way and sends the Enterprise scurrying. They would have gotten chased down if it was not for Picard pleading to Q to save them. This again impresses Q with humanity. A week later, Picard sits out by shuttlecraft to have his artificial heart repaired. He doesn't want Pulaski on the Enterprise doing it because of his ego and his image with the crew. He needs to be strong for them. 
he will have it handled at Starbase 515. Unfortunately, the Starbase doctors encounter an issue and need to send for Pulaski anyway since she's the pro. The Enterprise arrives and Pulaski assists and Picard is no more worse for the wear. In 2366, Picard encounters Q again when he shows up naked on the bridge. Q was stripped of his powers by the Q Continuum and has given a choice to be whatever mortal form he wants as punishment. He chose human, as Picard is the only real friend he's ever had. Upon hearing this, Picard looks at him very confused. What part of this is friendship to you? Q's real motivation? It was not friendship, however. It was protection. He had been a thorn in the side of many species, and knew some of them would come after him once he was mortal. The Enterprise would protect him because humans are nice like that. Picard and crew do protect him when the Calamarain attack. It's a non-corporeal life form that can travel in space. Q realizes he's been a shitty human and leaves in a shuttle to be destroyed. But another Q talks to him and tells him, good job, and Q gets his powers back. A month later, in an alternate timeline, the Enterprise C shows up. Captain Picard sends it back because of some vague suggestions from Guinan, and Tasha Yar goes with it. She's still alive in this timeline. The theory being that if the Enterprise C goes back in time, the current war with the Klingons would never happen at all. Picard finally gets forced into a vacation in the later part of 2366 and goes to Ryza, where he meets a woman named Vosh. He has a romance and an adventure with her trying to locate a device called the Toxutat. In the end, Picard destroys the device, and he and Vosh go their separate ways. A few weeks later, Picard mind melds with Sarek, a Vulcan ambassador and the father of Spock. He melds with him because Sarek's mind is starting to go, and Picard's calm demeanor helped him finish one last mission. A short while later, Captain Picard is captured by the Borg and turned into the Cutis. The Borg tried to take over Earth with Picard's knowledge, but the Enterprise crew is able to rescue him, destroy the Borg cube, and return Picard back to normal. In a follow-up episode, Picard returns to his family vineyard in the Bar, France, and makes amends with his brother Robert. Although siblings, there was a rivalry for many years. He also finally gets to meet his sister-in-law Marie and his nephew Rene. All is right in the Picard family after this. And Jean-Luc got to let off a little steam, not only about Robert, but about being captured by the Borg. The beginning of 2367 has Captain Picard chosen as the Arbiter of Succession by Chancellor Kempek of the Klingon Empire. One of the two potential factions who would become the next Klingon Chancellor has poisoned him, and such a dishonorable person cannot lead the Klingon Empire. It would fall into dishonorable chaos. The two factions are a newcomer to the Council named Gauron, or an old adversary, Duras. By episode's end, Kempek is dead, and so is Duras. Worf kills him. Gowron is chosen as the new Chancellor, and the Enterprise moves on. Q returns a few months later, and so does Vash. Q wants Picard to admit his feelings for Vash, so he makes the crew into Robin Hood and the Merry Men. Picard, as Robin, attempts to rescue Vash as Maid Marian. By the end of the episode, Picard admits he has feelings for her, but she's going off on an adventure with Q. See ya! Another month later, and the Enterprise is above the Klingon homeworld so that Picard can finish the ceremony installing Gowron as the Chancellor. Unfortunately, the sisters of Duras, Lursa and Betor, challenge the installation. They have discovered Duras has an illegitimate son, and thus can claim the Chancellorship. Picard decides that the son cannot claim leadership, as he has no honor himself yet. Maybe one day, 
but not today. This causes a rift in the council and leads to a civil war. It is later revealed that Sila, the half-Romulan daughter of Tasha Yar, is backing the Duras. This causes the civil war to falter, and Garon takes his rightful place as chancellor. But Card completes the ceremony, and his duties in that respect are over. A couple of weeks later, and the children of Tama are trying to get in touch with the Federation. Theirs is a language barrier that just can't be broken. The Temerian captain results to desperate measures. He has him and Captain Picard beam to the planet's surfaces below, where they are able to break their communication barrier with the story of Darmok and Jalad at Tanagra. Turns out that the Temerians speak in metaphors. The Temerian captain loses his life while fighting a cloaked creature of some sort, akin to the Predator movies. Captain Picard is eventually able to return to the bridge and relay the information through the language skills he just obtained from the Temerian. They mourn the loss of their captain together and a firm, positive, diplomatic situation has begun. In 2368, it is revealed that one of the Federation's most celebrated ambassadors, Spock, has gone missing. After Picard visits Sarek on his deathbed on Vulcan, they believe Spock is on Romulus visiting his friend Pardic. Picard goes there with the cooperation of the Klingons in a bird of prey. That way, they can be cloaked and avoid the sensor nets at the border. While en route, he learns that Sarek has died. They find Spock, and it turns out he's trying to help the young Romulan people with understanding their ancient Vulcan heritage. The goal is eventually for a reunification with Romulus, at least diplomatically. He also lets Spock know that Sarek had passed. Spock's friend Pardic betrays them to Sela, but Picard, Data, and Spock are able to outwit her and defeat a Romulan invasion force of Vulcan. Spock reveals he had never melded with his father. Picard had, though. He offers to meld with Spock to share what he could with him of his father. Spock performs the meld. Later that year, they find a crashed Borg cube. There is one living Borg still there, and Dr. Crusher makes the determination to rescue it. Between her and Geordi LaForge, they mend it and feed it and analyze it. They determine they can use it as a weapon against the Borg. They can cause a feedback loop in their system, which would cause a cascade failure. Ultimately, Picard opts not to commit genocide, and they release the Borg, now named Hugh, back to the Borg Collective. A few weeks later, the Enterprise intercepts a probe from an ancient race known as Catan. The probe locks onto Captain Picard with a nucleonic beam and forces him to live a full life as a man named Cayman, who was from Catan all those centuries ago. He has a best friend, a wife, knows how to play the flute, and is a prominent member of the community. Once he accepts his fate of not being Captain Picard anymore, which takes years, he begins to start a family. He has a son and daughter, and eventually a grandchild through his daughter. By the end of the episode, he has had a huge, rich, and full life, and is brought out to the virtual reality to find himself back on the Enterprise Bridge. Only 25 real minutes have passed in that lifetime he had just lived. They bring the probe aboard for further study, and the captain goes to relax and remember in his quarters. A few hours later, Riker drops by with a box found in the probe. It's the flute he played during his lifetime on Catan. He silently dismisses Riker and plays the flute as the episode ends. Shortly after this episode, a discovery on Earth has the Enterprise return. Data's head has shown up in a cave. They seem to have discovered the moment of his death, and it's in the 1800s. Eventually, an accident does send Data back in time, and Picard and crew head there to try and rescue him, to prevent future history. While there, they run into Guinan, 
She is not a time traveler, however. She is simply a long-lived species, and she's visiting Earth in the ancient past. This is how Bogard and Guinan really first meet. Through their adventures, everyone is sent back to the Enterprise in the future, including Mark Twain. Picard and Guinan stay in the past. Guinan is injured critically, and Picard saves her life. Twain eventually returns and sends Picard back, promising to look after Guinan for him. Later in the episode, Picard heads to Ten Forward to talk to Guinan about their own history, now that he is aware of it. Q again visits the Enterprise in 2369, and tests a young student named Amanda Rogers. Her parents were Q, who scorned the Continuum to live a normal, mortal life. They had Amanda. Although the Q destroyed her parents with a freak tornado, they left Amanda alone because they weren't sure she was a Q. Picard tells Q to leave Amanda to her own devices, but Q tells him he's against forces he doesn't understand. In the end, it turns out that Amanda is a Q, and she accepts her fate and leaves with Q. So many Qs. Shortly after that, a freak transporter accident turns Captain Picard and three other crew members into children again. During this freak event, Ferengi are able to take over the Enterprise and force the crew to do mining work. They keep the children on board, locked in the schoolroom. Riker also remains on board, and the Ferengi try to get him to tell them the command codes. Picard and the other children successfully take over the Enterprise again and kick the Ferengi out. The transporter rescrambles them, and they're back to normal adult ages again. Later that year, Picard, Worf, and Dr. Crusher are reassigned in order to infiltrate a secret Cardassian base that is reportedly de developing metagenic weapons, something even the Romulans don't fuck with. During the mission, Picard is captured, although Crusher and Worf escape. Picard is then tortured by Gol Madrid. There are four lights! The Enterprise eventually outwits the Cardassian, and Picard is returned to them. He later admits that Golmadred had almost broken his will. He was on the verge of caving in when he was released. Picard is given a new lease on life by Q after his artificial heart was damaged beyond repair in the middle of 2369. Q takes him to quote-unquote heaven and tells Picard that he'll die on the operating table, but if he had a real heart, he might have lived. He asks how it got replaced anyway. He shows Picard a vision of a Noskin stabbing him in the back. Picard says he would change that if he could. He wakes up as a cadet again and redoes his life and does not engage the Noskin. That single choice prevented him from ever moving up. He only uh, ever achieved Lieutenant Junior grade and told Q he would rather die on the operating table than live as such an unachieving man. Q gives Picard the chance to square up with the Noskins again and Picard gets stabbed through the heart as he did before the timeline change. He laughs as he is apparently dying, but wakes up in sickbay completely fine. It is assumed that Q repaired Picard's artificial heart with magic. Later, Picard falls in love with one of his subordinates due to a mutual love of music. He shows her the flute from Catan, the only person he's ever shown it to. But he needs to order her into a very dangerous situation on a planet and couldn't handle possibly losing the one he loves. She survives, luckily, but they part ways because they both realize that Picard can't make command decisions effectively like that. She also requests a transfer off the Enterprise. Shortly after that, Picard has the Enterprise follow in his old archaeology professor's footsteps and discovers, along with the Klingons, Romulans, and Cardassians, that they all share a common humanoid ancestor, much to the chagrin of the Klingons and Cardassians. 
However, the Romulan captain speaks with Picard later and is hopeful about a possible open dialogue between their peoples at a future date. The beginning of 2370 has Data's brother Lore take over a group of Borg drones. He's performing odd experiments on them to try to make them fully artificial. He sees himself and Data as the new gods of the Borg. Picard and crew are able to defeat him with the help of an old friend, the Borg named Hugh. Lore is deactivated and disassembled by the end of the episode, his ultimate death. Eventually, Q shows up once more and puts Picard on trial again, mirroring the series premiere episode, Encounter at Farpoint. He says that humanity has been found guilty, but that Picard will be the cause of its destruction. He begins time traveling through three different periods and determines that he causes an anti-time rift to form thus preventing life from ever forming in the entire quadrant, including humanity. But Q gives him a helping hand in the time traveling. Using three different enterprises, the crews are all able to close the anti-time rift, and Picard saves the galaxy. He finds himself back in the courtroom talking to Q again. Q promises that the trial never ends. Humanity will always be tested, and that the exploration that awaits Picard and humanity is not mapping stars or studying nebula, it's charting the unknown possibilities of existence. And he gives a great quote to end his part with, especially given the history between him and Picard. In any case, I'll be watching, and if you're very lucky, I'll drop by to say hello from time to time. See you out there. That ends The Next Generation as a TV series, but it continues on with the four movies. I'm not going to get into the details of each movie. Eventually I'll do movie summaries in addition to episode summaries. For this biography though, I'll just highlight some big things that happened to Captain Picard. In Generations, which takes place in 2371, Picard promotes Worf to Lieutenant Commander on board a holographic sailing ship. After the ceremony, he receives a message from Earth. His face turns somber and he leaves abruptly when questioned by Deanna Troy. They are notified that the Amargosa Observatory is under attack, and the Enterprise goes to assist. They find a Dr. Tolian Soran amongst the wreckage and beam him back to the Enterprise to help him. Soran and Picard later meet in Ten Forward, and Soran tells him he needs to get back to the Observatory to finish his work. He utters an eerie statement to Picard. Time is the fire in which we burn, and right now... My time is running out. We leave so many things unfinished in our lives. I'm sure you understand. Picard says he'll see what he can do. Later, in his quarters, Troy finds Picard looking at a family album, and he lets her know that his brother Robert and his nephew Rene burnt to death in a fire. They were going to meet in a month at Starfleet Academy so he could show Rene around, and now that's no more. He will be the last in the Picard line. Picard visits Guinan in her quarters, and she tells him about the Nexus, something with Sauron is determined to get back to. It is a blissful realm in which time has no meaning. It looks like a ribbon traveling through space, but it is dangerous to reach by ship. And there's our MacGuffin. In stellar cartography, Picard and Data analyze the Nexus's path. Data has a minor freakout because of his new emotion chip, but Picard tells him to knock it off. It appears as if Sauron might be trying to alter the course of the Nexus. They determine it's heading towards Viridian 3. The Enterprise warps there and is met by a Klingon bird of prey with the Duras sisters. They'll exchange La Forge, who is their guest, 
in exchange for Pagard beaming to the surface. Terms are accepted. The Forge's visor is being monitored by the Klingons. Eventually, that'll give them the edge over the Enterprise they need. On the surface, Picard meets with Sauron, but is blocked from approaching him by a force field. He tries to convince Sauron to abandon this genocidal quest, but he remains unconvinced. In orbit above, the Klingons attack the Enterprise, having used their link with Geordi's visor to shoot straight through the shields. The Enterprise is able to mount a counterattack and destroy the Klingons, but not before the Klingons did critical damage to the Enterprise. Picard is throwing rocks at the force field, which is just irritating Sauron, but not stopping him from working. Picard notices a small rock bridge, which the force field doesn't block off, and he crawls through there in order to reach Sauron. Above, the Enterprise is going to explode. They separate the saucer from the drive section and abandon it. The shockwave from the explosion sends the saucer section careening down into the planet. Sauron hears rocks move and notices Pagar trying to crawl in through the hole. Sauron shoots him. Thinking he's killed, Sauron goes back to his work only to find Picard a few moments later, right behind him. Picard punches him in the face. Picard disarms Sauron from his weapon easily, but Sauron kicks Picard away and back down the hill. Sauron's missile launcher launches towards the star and it explodes sending the Nexus into the planet and bringing Sauron and Picard along with it. Picard awakens to find himself in a blissful setting where he's with all his children on Christmas morning. An alternate possibility, if you will. Guinan shows up and he realizes it's not real. The Guinan is just an echo of what she left behind when she was there. He wants to go back and stop Sauron, but she cannot help. But there is someone who can help, and from his point of view, he just arrived too. Shift to a rustic cabin in the woods with James Kirk chopping wood. They head inside and Picard tells Kirk that he's the captain of the Enterprise 2, but a new Enterprise. Kirk is distracted by all the old memories around and there's a female voice upstairs. Kirk's long lost love. They head upstairs but instead of a bedroom, it's Kirk's uncle's barn in Idaho. Kirk takes a horse out for a ride and Picard begins saddling up another horse to follow. Kirk jumps up a small ravine, ponders it, then jumps back again. Picard rides up and they talk about how none of this is real. Picard convinces Kirk to help him stop Sauron. They head back through the Nexus and arrive on Viridian 3 just before the missile launch. They successfully stop Sauron, but the Enterprise D is still destroyed. Kirk also dies in the process, ironically on a bridge, but not the bridge of a starship, just a metal walking bridge. Picard buries him and returns to the Enterprise. Salvage operations are underway, and Riker helps Picard find his family album. Picard holds his family album close and smiles. What we leave behind is not as important as how we've lived. After all, number one, we're only mortal. Riker grins mischievously and says, Speak for yourself, sir. I plan to live forever. Star Trek First Contact begins two years later, in 2373, with the brand new Enterprise-E. Starfleet notifies the crew of a Borg cube in coming to Earth, but the Enterprise will be patrolling the Romulan neutral zone just in case the Romulans decide to seize the moment. The crew is appalled, but Picard reveals it's because of his previous assimilation years prior. Starfleet doesn't trust the captain. Eventually, Picard makes the decision to assist anyway, with the crew supporting the decision. Data, speaking for the entire crew, says, To hell with our orders. Shift to the battle well underway. A few starships are fighting, including the Defiant, under command of Worf. Worf prepares for ramming speed to take out the cube, but the Enterprise warps in like, ain't no thang. 
They rescue the Defiance crew, and the Enterprise appears to be a match for holding its own against the Borg. But in order to destroy the cube, Picard orders the fleet to focus fire on a specific location on the cube. This destroys it, but a small sphere is launched from it, and the Enterprise begins chasing it down. The sphere opens a portal, and they analyze it for being from the past. The timeline around them is changing, and the Enterprise continues in through the portal too. Picard orders the destruction of the sphere, and then for the crew to analyze the damage. They find out it's just a little bit before Earth makes first contact with extraterrestrials. Earth's first warp ship is going to be launched very soon, but the sphere is firing at the location it would be launching from. Picard and crew locate Zephram Cochran, the creator of Warp Drive, and help him repair it. Picard eventually returns to the ship and realizes the Borg have a foothold on her. He successfully defeats the Borg Queen and saves the day. The warp flight is complete, and Picard is there to witness first contact between humans and Vulcans, Earth's first experience with extraterrestrials. Star Trek Insurrection takes place two years later in 2375. Picard and the Enterprise are planning host to a f new first contact situation with the Evora. They decorate Picard with a headband comprised of beads. They learn that Data has had a malfunction in the Briar Patch, a type of nebula, and head there to help even though it's nowhere close by and against orders. Upon their arrival, Picard and Worf take a shuttle into the Baku planet and are able to subdue Data. They take him back to the Enterprise, and the Forge fixes him. Picard beams down and tries to help the Baku people and hostages, but they aren't really hostages. The Baku are not as technologically behind as they thought. Picard beams back and briefs the Admiral, but something doesn't sit right. He realizes that the Admiral is helping other people, the Sona, with destroying the Baku planet, in order to harness a special radiation for the Sona. Picard is appalled by the Admiral and refuses to leave when ordered to. Picard successfully defeated the Sona and the Admiral is killed along the way. The Baku are left to live their blissful lives how they see fit without interference from outside powers. And Starfleet Command apologizes to Picard. The Admiral was a scumbag. The final next-gen movie is Nemesis which takes place in 2379, four years after Insurrection. It starts off with a wedding. Oh, I love weddings. Captain Picard is the best man for Riker at his and Troy's wedding. On their way to Beta Z, they discover positronic signals and head to investigate. Picard and crew rescue B4, an older brother of Data. Picard drives an off-road vehicle in order to escape the natives. Later, Admiral Janeway, later, Admiral Janeway contacts Picard and says to go to Romulus, the new praetor, Shinzon, has invited the Enterprise for diplomatic purposes. They arrive and are invited over to the Scimitar, a warship by all means. They meet Shinzon and it turns out he's a clone of Captain Picard. The Romulans had a plan to replace Picard with the clone at the right moment, but a change in leadership meant a cancellation of plans. Shinzon was thrown into the mines of Remus and forgotten about, but the Romulans cloned him wrong and there's a degenerative disease. Picard's blood can help cure him, but it would kill Picard. The Enterprise leaves Romulus and is attacked by the Scimitar in Basin Rift. Two Romulan warbirds come to assist, but are swiftly defeated. During the battle, the Enterprise loses warp drive and is ultimately forced to ram the Scimitar, destroying half the Soxer section. Shinzon activates a Thaleron weapon to destroy the Enterprise, but it takes a while to charge. Picard beams over to try and destroy the weapon generator. He kills Shinzon with a pipe while he's at it, and Data comes to rescue Picard. 
he uses a small emergency transporter beacon to beam Picard back to the Enterprise, then sacrifices himself to destroy the scimitar and save the Enterprise. Later, they all toast to absent friends and to family. They mourn the loss of Data, and Riker begins telling a story about the first time he met Data. Picard begins working on B4. He tries teaching him about Data. Picard knows a small piece of Data still lives in B4 and smiles as B4 begins reciting lyrics to a song. Nemesis closes with Captain Picard walking to the bridge. From here, there is no more official information about what happened with him. But we now know that CBS is bringing him back for their all-access app. What could it be about? It's been 16 years since Nemesis. Will he be an admiral? Ambassador? Simply retired? Some people hope he goes back to his archaeological roots. Personally, I'm hoping for a battle of wits between him and Q. We haven't seen them match wits since 1994. That would be something I might actually pay for the app for. Anyway, that's all for today's episode. Thanks for watching Trexplained. If you liked today's video, please drop a like and subscribe so you get updates on new videos. See you next time on Trexplained.